Welcome to the Messy Middle podcast and radio show presented by Mother and Founder Co. Each month, guests are invited to share their version of the messy middle and the lessons they've learned along the way. Whether you're in the messiness of growing a business, healing from trauma, or navigating the wild world of parenting, this show is a must. We are excited to celebrate the messiness of life and business with you. And now, let's settle in as host Jen Burwell connects us with today's guests. Hello, and welcome to episode one of The Messy Middle. I am so excited to have longtime friends, G of Parsis Solutions. Hello. And Christy Bell, managing partner of Bell & Associates. Hi. Hi. On with me today. So I, when I thought about this podcast and I was like, you know, I really want to start this. I think it's really important. And with my own journey, and maybe this is just cathartic for me, but life feels very messy in in a lot of different ways when you're trying to do something, grow something. And I was like, who are my longtime friends that have had incredible journeys that I haven't really been a part of in a long, long time that I'd love to reconnect? So since life is so crazy and, you know, happy hour is hard, I just said, hey, come to the radio show and we'll, we'll reconnect. So I'm so excited that you're both here today. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So let's start by getting to know each of you a little bit more. So, Gee, why don't you start and tell us a little bit about yourself, where you came from, how you got to where you are right now, sitting in your seat? Sure. So, born in India many, many years ago, came to the States in the 80s for my master's in Cleveland. I didn't know any better. So, I ended up in Cleveland, Ohio, of all places, 10,000 miles away from home. Mm. Moved to Arizona after getting married in 1998. So, I'm not born here, but I feel like I'm a native. Yeah. Joined a company, started a company, sold a company, restarted a company in 2002, Parsis, which is my primary source of income now, with my business partner, Rahul Patel. Shout out to him. It's been a pretty good journey. Uh, we've had one down year, really down year in 2008, when the market crashed. Mm-hmm. And... If we get into it, I'll tell you about what we did to overcome the the down year that we had. But sure. COVID was a challenge for the first couple of months, a couple of years ago. But we had a big paradigm shift in the way we deliver our solutions. And life is good. It's been, like you said, messy at times and smooth at times. And, you know, we don't, we're not this formal company that has a, you know, business plan and we follow it. We are nimble and flat and easy to work with. And we have no salespeople and it's very unconventional, but we love what we do. And that's the most important thing. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit, what does your company do? We are software developers. We are a bunch of nerds (laughs) Um, and we, we do it better than anybody else. And I am cockily confident of that. So we, you know, Companies worth billions of dollars tend to trust us, and we become an extension of their IT department. So a few examples here in the Valley, Choice Hotels International, which I'm sure everybody's heard of here, is one of our clients. And we are big into the multi-location franchise space and in, in multiple verticals. So hospitality is our primary vertical, and we have multiple clients in hospitality, but education and home care and 
others are also part of our clientele. And, you know, these guys are doing millions of dollars of business a day. And they seem to trust us, which is quite fantastic. I would say so. I have so many questions, but we'll, we'll dive in in just a minute. Um, I'd like to introduce Christy. So hello, Christy, again. Hi. Hi. So tell um, us a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. Born and raised in Phoenix. Uh, I migrated over to San Diego for college uh, in the late 90s and stayed there working for Ernst & Young in the public accounting sector for a while. Then my dad lured me back into Phoenix, which I had the ideology that I would come here for a year, work under his business in the insurance marketing, financial planning area. Um, I learned everything I needed to know in a year and then quickly moved back to San Diego, you know, playground of all things for your 20s and, um, you know, live my life there. So that was, oh gosh, about 20 years ago now. <laughs> and um, I'm still here now with, uh, with two young sons and a husband that, uh, you know, it's just trying to kind of make every day exciting, but uh, actually still working for my family's business. My brother and I brought on a business partner in 2016 as my dad was exiting into sunset, though he works every day. <laughs> So it's just a matter of how many hours he's balancing between golf, fishing, and work. But um, my brother and I and our partner have successfully transitioned the business to second generation. And then most recently in 2019, sold that business to another organization. And, and we work as the managing partners for the Phoenix office currently underneath that corporation. So uh, yeah, still doing our stuff. And operating as a small business within a larger, a larger company, but still trying to maintain our brand, our name, having a little bit of a niche and a different approach to what we do and what we bring to the marketplace and consumers from that perspective. That's so cool. Well, congratulations on all of that. Um, I remember, I feel like the last time we really connected was like around 2016. I always like mark things by either birth of a child or like, <laughs> so I, I was having my son. And I remember the trans, like your father was just transitioning. And I'm always curious because I, I see a lot of family owned businesses and I hear the same story. Like they transition, but they're like still are working, working, working. So I was interested to hear how, how that's going. So good. I want to take us back to when we all first met because it's been about a decade and I just wanted to explore how it's been since then and talk about our experience together. And then also get into what you guys would each describe as your messy middle or something that you want to talk about in a, in a lesson that you learned. But I have to share a story that, Christy, I don't think I've ever told you. And it's kind of an awkward story. So bear with me. Uh, <laughs> but I first met Christy um, when I was working at the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And I can't remember if I was the director at that point or the campaign manager. That's not the important part. But I was doing a, let's see if you remember this. I was doing an information meeting at REI in the upstairs. Yeah. And I remember Christy coming and just like writing down her name because she was coming to the meeting to learn more about um, the team and training program. And for whatever reason, I when I saw you and met you, I was like, Christy is going to be somebody that is really important in my life. And I had no idea. Like, that's such a weird thing to think about some stranger that you've never met before. And so I think about that often and think about, well, a few things. One is like, well, 
if I had that thought, why do I suck so bad at being a friend and connecting? But two, it was just so cool to have that feeling experience and and then to do many races that we'll talk about and, and have the experiences that we did. But it was just when I met you, I knew that like you were somebody that I really just wanted to get to know. So. Oh, well, that's sweet. And thank you for sharing that with me. You know, it's, it's funny that you bring that particular moment up and not to digress from the rest of the show, but you know, I vividly remember making the choice to go to that event from like a postcard. I think I got in the mail mm-hmm. back when mailing postcards was a thing, yep. but you know, and, and since then I've very often thought back on that, the choice I made to go to that, that meeting. And then the subsequent things that have resulted in my life from that, that choice that I made. Um, one of which obviously meeting you and having a number of experiences meeting G also kind of through that experience, um, ultimately traveling with him to his home uh, in India yeah. and as well as, you know, many other adventures with other friends from the, the team and training and just that community that, that was fostered from there. So, you know, so it's interesting that you brought that up because again, that's something that I think of, you know, what, what would my life path be different in the event that I had not chosen to go to that meeting yeah. or engage further in that community? So uh, it's something I think about a lot. Oh, yeah. That's so awesome. As you were talking, you just brought me back to like, yeah, I think about often my time at team and training and, and meeting G and, and just that was such a pivotal, I needed that community so much in my life at the time that it happened. And then it set my, like my entire life path. I wouldn't have met Kyle. I wouldn't have started, you know, joined Max six, all of the things through those meetings and, and, um, those endurance sports and, and the leukemia lymphoma society. So, um, G, let's talk about how we first met. And Chrissy, you were on this Ragnar team, right? You just weren't in our yes. van. Were you in our van or you were in the second other van? I feel like I don't remember. I know that I, we took my mom's suburban at one yes, point. Yes. <laughs> was that, was yes. that one or no? Yes, yes, yes. I, I feel like it was this one. So the three of us met. Did you know Chrissy before this race, G? I don't remember actually. We we met through Chris Breyer. Right. Yeah. And but I think that was because of the, the, the events. Correct. We had the happy hour at the big. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I do remember that. Were... And, and <clears throat> Jen had invited us to the happy hour, which is where we met. That's exactly right. Right. Yeah. So we all kind of came together because I knew Christy through triathlons and and um, through different events. But that Ragnar race really brought us together. And for those of you who are listening who are like, what in the world is a Ragnar race? Correct me if I'm wrong on any of these facts. But it's like a 24-hour race that's about 200 plus miles where you have a team of 12 people, runners, and someone's out running at all times. And so it's a relay race. So you pass the bracelet on to the next person and the legs are varying distance, but it's a lot, a lot of fun. And it's also very crazy because you're up for 24 hours, no sleeping, you're in vans or Christy's mom's suburban. <laughs> um, and it, there's just a lot of shenanigans that happen, but it's a really great, fun, fun time. So we all met there. Um, that's where I, I remember meeting G and we spent a lot of time in the van together. And G always tells this crazy story of how him and I met. So I'll, I'll tell you the story. So talk about a messy middle. So this was 10 years ago and we are matched up in a, in a six person van. Jen and I are first time, well, not the first time we've met, but we've not met much. Actually, it was the first time we met. This was before LLS. And we go, you know, as you introduce yourself, you go around, talk, talk about what, where have you come from for 30 seconds or something like that. And I remember the other 
there were four girls and two guys. I am not in touch with the other girls. I'm not in touch with Mike, who was the other guy, who was very protective of, of his food somehow. That's true, yes. Rightfully <laughs> so in those I situations. Mean, I mean... Yeah. And so we're going around and everybody's talking about themselves for 30 seconds and I get to go last. And I cannot wait for my turn to come because I love talking about myself even now. Some things we work on for the rest of our lives. And so my turn comes and I start strutting like a peacock, which comes pretty naturally to me. And I talk for probably 15 minutes about what I've done and how cool I am and on and on and on. And at the end of it, there's dead silence. People are probably bored out of their minds. Like, who the hell is this guy? And Jen asks me a question. And this changed my life. And she asked, so what have you done for somebody else? There was awkward silence for 30 seconds because I couldn't come up, come up with anything for anyone. And then she says, I think I can help you, which is how I joined LLS. It's been life-changing because I didn't know you could do stuff for others, other people that would give you so much pleasure. Mm -hmm. So Jen, thank you for changing my life from 10 years ago. You're very welcome. I, you give me way too much credit. And I was really just trying to do a sales technique on you to join my team. <laughs> well, it you give me all this credit. It's very know, effective. Well, LLS itself, you know, I'm sure, you know, they, they're doing fantastic work in terms of funding research. But I think they're doing fantastic work in terms of connecting people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because I have kept in touch with so many of the LLS folks in there. I mean, Beth and I go birdwatching together every yes. weekend now. And I met her at LLS. And Megan and I became friends. Melissa and I became friends. I mean, mm -hmm. sort of some Jim Brewer and I still remain friends. Mm -hmm. So LLS is doing a lot more than they think they're doing. Yeah, and I think they have the magic, right? They were really the pioneers. So Leukemia Lymphoma Society, their blood cancer research organization. But they were the pioneers of the fundraise for endurance events, uh, one of the, the pioneers. So they really had that magical, like, let's put novices or people who might not be quote unquote, endurance athletes together through this experience that it's, I mean, it is hard to complete an endurance event, right? There's not, it's not easy. Put them together, train together, come together for a common purpose and cause. And so I think that's, that creates a special bond um, that I hear these stories for team and training alumni everywhere that like, this is not a unique experience that we've had. We get, we have the benefit of it, but there's people across the country, across the world, really, who've experienced this. And so what a, I feel grateful all the time that I got to be a part of it um, and meet amazing people like you both. So that's how we met when we were, well, you were married, but Christy and I were wild and free <laughs> and <laughs> childless and we had lots more sleep besides Ragnar. So what has been happening since then to now? So Christy, kind of think back to 10 years ago. So that was what, 2012, 2011? I don't know what year it was, but so yeah. Kind of think about like from then till now in a few minutes, what, what, how would you describe your last decade? I think that obviously we just started in the process of celebrating a new year. And I think that always provides time for reflection. So, you know, I look back and think, what was I doing 10 years ago, 12 years ago? Um, I was doing a lot of traveling at the time um, and uh, really trying to identify and find ways that I could connect within my community and the things that I was passionate about at the time. Um, but I think that that evolves constantly as you engage with new people and new friends and have new experiences. And 
So each one of those has has provided a, a layered experience to really kind of get you to that next viewpoint uh, and perspective of what's going what's going to happen in the future. So you know, I look in gosh, last ten years, aside from like my biggest things being travel at the time. Now you know, as I mentioned about four years ago, um, my husband and I met, and uh, we quickly and being a little bit in the older age category than most when they, when they find their, their person or what their, what their path is going to be. We met and uh, decided that we wanted to start a family. So started that pretty quickly (laughs) and uh, now have two young children. One's two and a half and the other one is four months old, almost five months. And as I said, you know, earlier I was running a business, um, you know, my father's business, we had done a transition at that time around 2012. My brother and I uh, took over my dad's practice and then in 2016 brought on a partner. But again, at that time, my focus was really just solely on my business and, and really what I wanted to do as a selfish, selfish individual and kind of doing what I wanted. But now my focus has shifted pretty dramatically to where uh, it's very, very solely based on my children, um, which I think has provided actually a really good balance for me personally, um, because I was so driven from my, um, my role and my career that, you know, I think as a manager and a leader in that organization, I didn't have, there were, there were aspects of what I approached leadership as um, differently than I do now. I think I have a little bit more patience with people mm-hmm. knowing that life is really challenging and that, um, you know, just being able to take a deep breath and trying to help them succeed, knowing that sometimes that success might ultimately end on them leaving and going to a different, you know, a different path for themselves. Um, but one that I want to be supportive in that, whatever that means, help their personal and professional growth. And in the past, I would be very fearful about what that meant and how that impacted me personally. But now I see it as part of my role, being able to help others and see what what I can support them in doing. And fantastic if it's, you know, to stay with us and to, you know, flourish within our organization, but that also might mean going somewhere else. So it's just really been an evolution for me personally, as well as professionally as to how I, how I look at and approach life choices, um, both in my business as well as outside of it. Such beautiful reflection and, and growth as a, as a leader. Um, I've felt a, a similar journey. Like I feel like motherhood has helped me be a better leader as well. And so when I had my first son in 2014, it really like turned my life upside down because I was used to, you know, have doing what I wanted to when I wanted to, and now being on someone else's schedule, it was, it was insane. But what that made me realize is what a, uh, we can say bad words, I think, but what a crappy boss <laughs> I had been to, well, in general, but also to people who had children. Like I had no frame of reference. So I literally wrote an apology letter to a few people that I managed early on in my career to just say, I was really crappy. Like, I am so sorry. Um, Just because not even understanding how, like, how much you have to balance. But, like, there's so much um, value that that everyone brings to the table and not recognizing that. I felt awful. But it was a big wake-up moment for me. So, G, what have you been doing in the last 10 years? So, from a professional standpoint, it's been 
pretty smooth in the last 10 years. I and mean, we went through slow organic growth for seven of those 10 years. And we didn't, we consciously made a decision not to become this giant company. We wanted, part of it is our own fault is we were control freaks and we still are. Um, so even the smallest task has to be done by one of the partners. And we philosophically don't want to grow into this giant corporation, which we feel like the quality gets diluted. So it's been slow organic growth up until two years ago, and then COVID hit. At the same time that COVID hit, the big tech giants started paying ungodly amount of money in the tech space. So all the really, really smart people were going to, you know, Apple and Microsoft and Amazon. So it was really hard for a small software development company to compete with them because they were offering quarter million bucks and, and then some sometimes. And, and these were all well-rounded, what we call full stack developers who were really smart. So we lost a couple of people to them and they still remain our friends because I probably would have made the same choice. So now what we have done in order to counter that is actually we have grown a little bit in terms of staff because we have figured out how to get work done overseas. So we have a team in Costa Rica, a team in Brazil, and a team in India. So professionally, the, outside of the first couple of months of COVID, it's been pretty good, not just in terms of the financial aspect of it, but also in terms of lifestyle, right? So, and you know, I go to these events in town like Yes Phoenix and so on and meet all kinds of entrepreneurs um, who start these companies that are just baffling to me how, how they invest so much time and money into starting. For example, I met this girl, Lisa, whose sister, Megan, has started Greenwood Beer in downtown Phoenix. And kudos to her. I mean, they're hiring 10 people now. And it's, I don't know how they're going to compete with the other 100 companies out there, but it's fantastic that they are. So... We have tried to create a culture professionally that is health and family first. And if you think about it, you know, every company caters to three sets of people, the investors, the employees, and the customers. Mm -hmm. And we are not beholden to any outside investment because we are the investors. So when we started the company, investors and employees were one and the same, <laughs> right? It's mm -hmm. just you you and your partner. Customers are, we treat them with kid gloves. You know, everything is white gloves. So, and we've continued that philosophy on. So we treat our employees like ourselves. We take care of them, their families, health and family first, no questions asked. And COVID has taught us how to work remotely with flexible time. And we have been able to make that paradigm shift really, really fast, really nimble. Because we are a small company, so it was easy for us. I'm sure that larger companies are having a harder, harder time. Sure. So from a professional level, the last 10 years have been pretty good. From a personal level, after the lesson that I learned from you, <laughs> there has been a paradigm shift in my, my thinking also, because while the you know, essence of life is love and happiness, where does that come from? And, you know, it depends on how you define success in a capitalistic society like we have here today. Most people define it by how much revenue is my company going to generate? And, and, and the mindset is changing between generations also, right? So in my generation, you know, it was having a nice house in the suburbs with a couple kids and a dog. And, and that I see, you know, I, I'm like at ES Phoenix, I meet all these 20 year olds and, you know, 30 year olds and, 
their mindset is not the same. And it's kind of cool to see mm-hmm. that sure. it's not about, it's about achievement, but in a different way. Because in the end, everybody wants love and happiness. I mean, that's the constant. So from a personal life, I, you know, I figured out that it's not just from capital, capitalistic ventures, which I get involved in all the time. I make stupid investments all the time because <laughs> it is a messy middle. But also it comes from giving and getting involved in various organizations. And now, and I, Christy and I have been involved in, in, a, in a few, and you and I have been involved in a few. So from a personal standpoint, it's, it's become about relationships too. And I, I love meeting new people all the time and travel, which you know, Christy and I have done a little bit mm-hmm. of together, which COVID unfortunately has put a damper on it. So the only thing I can't relate with you guys is the kids part because I don't have any. So, but, you know. You have lots of adopted ones. Yeah, well, yes. yeah, I mean, my Christy <laughs> takes her kids to my wife, who's a pediatrician. So, you know, we see, you know, I talk to Christy and my, actually my wife talks to her more than I do. <laughs> yes, a lot these days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. <laughs> lots of sickness. <laughs> so it's been pretty good, both from a professional and, and personal stand, standpoint, other than I don't get to see my family over the last couple of years. Yeah, that's got to be hard. Yeah. All right. So if you guys would be willing, I would love for you to share what you think of when I say messy middle. Um, It's wide open. It's really just the middle part of any journey or adventure. So Christy, what comes to mind for you? You know, I mean, it's hard because again, um, I think I just, as I shared earlier, there's a lot of a marriage in between (laughs) and a blurred line um, between what you have as your personal life anymore versus my, my work life. Um, Because I believe in a lot of transparency and honesty. So I'm, I'm pretty, um, I don't want to say I'm an overshare, but (laughs) maybe depending on who you talk to. Um, I mean, you know, my office and the team I work with, you know, they know what's going on with me. And so vice versa. Um, you know, I think that again, in that type of an environment, um, the, the messy middle is just, it's all of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, that being said, I mean, I think there's definitely some challenges of, you know, being a small business owner. Um, there's some pressures with that related to being a second generation, um, business owner wanting to be successful and carry on my father's legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was very challenging for us to make the decision to sell the company. Um, you know, I had to have a conversation with him before any of those decisions were finalized because, because there's a lot of emotion related to that and surrounding it. And then, you know, but even then beyond that, within the organization, trying to learn how to deal with people's personal life and how that affects their work life. What, what having being a business owner means and meaning that I also am responsible for now we have approximately 15 employees. Um, I I'm responsible for making decisions that ultimately are these people's livelihood. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, trying to maintain a culture, as she mentioned, um, you know, a culture that is, um, constantly like evolving, but also trying to put family and health first and foremost, um, because those are important to me as well and trying to balance that out, but also to communicate it. And as a, as a, again, as a leader and a business owner, sometimes it's challenging because I want everyone to understand why I make decisions that I do because they might not affect 
that one person, but it affects the other 14 or, or alternately, you know, it, it kind of just depends on, and I look at it that again, I'm trying to assist on 15 different individuals' livelihood, as well as my own, my family and our business partners. So I think again, the, the messy middle for me is learning and balancing the relationships and also trying to understand where as a leader, I need to draw the line and make decisions as a leader versus as a friend or a peer within the organization, despite the fact that I, I feel that connection with them because of how much I share of myself mm-hmm. in, that, um, in that process. And it's, it's something that I constantly struggle with. Um, you know, again, just going back and forth between making those decisions and looking for the longer term versus just the short-term play that's going to be a Band-Aid that maybe solves a specific situation. But what is the more meaningful long-term impact on it? You know, I don't have necessarily a specific example other than, you know, as you mentioned during the pandemic, the flexibility you have to do. But there has been a lot of fear and questions surrounding what's going on. And so trying to be a leader in the last two years has been extremely trying to, again, um, why, why do I make the decision to have people in office versus not in office and what happens and you know, being constantly questioned and then having to question myself, did I make the right decision? But also having to come across confidently that, yes, I made the right decision because at that moment in time, that was the information I had and, and the decision I made right then, but being able to be flexible with it and knowing that I can say I was wrong and here's what I'm doing to make a difference, to change it and to, to move forward. You know, I think just that, that evolution and that balance um, and the fluidity of all of it is really what's been difficult, but providing an immense opportunity for growth. And so while in the throes of it, it's, it's very challenging, um, especially coming home and then having to, you know, balance out the stresses of raising two small children and being a working mom. Thankfully, I have some amazing support to, to kind of keep that life that I do, but, um, but it's, it's just, it's tough to, to go through that mentally and constantly question yourself as well as being questioned by others during that process. So um, I don't know if I've actually answered or created more of a vague response for you. No, no, that was a beautiful response. And I think um, I talked to so many leaders and I was, I was just messaging another leader who um, has an organization of about 300 employees and he was just getting so frustrated. He's like, leaders are supposed to know the answer. And like, it's like we've been in two years of like, no one knows the answer because like even the quote unquote experts don't know the answer. So to try to lead an organization where your decisions impact everybody and then everyone has, you know, unique situations and circumstances and you have to really be like, this is the best. I love what you said. Like, this is the best answer based on the information that I have and really finding that balance of, hey, I'm a leader, so I'm going to make this decision because some people, like people need certainty, right? That they have a leader that's like, I don't know, what what do you guys think we should do? I mean, there's time and place for that, but at some point you have to be able to make some choices. But I love your ability to be flexible and to shift and to be open um, to new information and to to switch course. So like, how do you think you developed that 
mindset or skill? I think a lot of it was trial and error, quite frankly. Um, you know, you learn from your mistakes and they're tough learning yeah. experiences. I will say, you know, a lot of times that was from me losing a very valued employee or, you know, having a challenging conversation with someone that I care about that, you know, you really need to kind of pause and have some reflection on that. But really it was trial and error and, ha- and but having open communication so that people can provide the feedback in a safe place and being able to not, although I say this, I don't know that I've really been skilled at practicing it, but, you know, trying not to let it get you down. That if you weren't, if you weren't the best at something or, you know, which is tough because I'm a type A personality, hence why <laughs> I decided, you know, to do a half Ironman triathlon for my first event with team and training. Why not? You know, I mean, I think that it's hard to to recognize that sometimes you are not going to make the right choices and you're going to fail and you're going to make mistakes and people won't like you all the time, which is hard. I'm a people pleaser. It really bothers me when people don't like me. So I think that, um, you know, I think that those have all just been, again, challenging times when situations come up, but it's part of you know, growing up and being an adult and taking on responsibility. But again, recognizing that it's not going to be a forever situation. It's a moment in time, trying to learn from it and see how you can build on it to possibly avoid that in the future. Um, so having a, and, and having a community, we talked about community earlier. I, I think that's just been so crucial. Um, I mean, I have in my community here at home, um, you know, between my husband, my, my immediate family, um, one of my best friends is, you know, helps out with our childcare. And then, you know, I've gone to various, whether it's like the team and training to kind of balance out other areas of my life from a, like a physical capacity, but then having an emotional relationship with the individuals I've met along the way, all of the impact that those people have had with me to anything from modern milk down the road mm-hmm. for a mom's group mm-hmm. um, and learning to try to kind of figure out how to change a diaper. <laughs> I mean, things that, um, that again, I just said, unfortunately, I, my mom was ill and hasn't been able to help mm-hmm. a lot with, uh, with my children since I'm older. And so I think that having those communities to really help us and to share and having people that are willing to open up and, to share their lives and their experiences um, has been just um, invaluable to me. Absolutely. I think community is so critical for everyone. And so it's been interesting to watch our shifts. Like we all seek community and it's changed a little bit in the last two years, but it's, it's still, people find ways to still stay connected. So, so G, tell me about your messy middle. What comes to mind when we say that for you? Well, all of it is messy. It's not just the middle. I mean, life is messy, right? You, you see the, the polarization in politics in pretty much every subject. It's, it's messy. And, and as a business owner and from a personal standpoint, you, you ad- adopt to ad- adapt to, uh, to the, the messiness that's out there. And there's so many variables out there, right? So it's, it's, it could be health. It could be climate. It could be economic. And so it's all, all messy, but through that somehow, like, you know, Christy mentioned, you figure out as a small business owner, how can you be as nimble as possible? And how can you navigate those, those waters when 
when things are thrown at you at a constant pace and us being in, in technology, I mean, you know, 12 years ago or 13 years ago, we didn't have this device mm -hmm. and it was a huge paradigm shift. So now you have a screen in front of your face mm -hmm. and, you know, Facebook just announced the metaverse and what exactly watches in, in front of our face and it's, it's giving you real-time information all the time and how do you make that useful or useless? If you ask the medical profession today, they're, they're, they'll tell you that anxiety is, is epidemic levels. And is it because of social media? Is it not? It's a big debate out there, but certainly it's a contributing factor. Mm -hmm. So you have this mess that is, that is thrown at you. And, and through that, you try to navigate. And us as business owners need to figure out what's the best that we can do for our client who are beholden to Wall Street for the most part because they are public entities and they have to report quarter to quarter to quarter. So you can't even sometimes take a longer term approach to it. Mm -hmm. You have to like, what are you going to deliver for me this quarter? Next quarter is next quarter. Let's talk about it next. And it's messy because, you know, the external factors are messy. And even if they weren't, right? I mean, in the last 10 years, you know, I've made a trip to the ICU. I mean, when a health, health scare happens like that, what do you do? And it becomes messier. Or, you know, when, when you're somebody's, you know, you, you have a client who's, whose kid may have an issue and they're not completely engaged. Well, what do you expect, right? I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's a personal level, personal problem that they're bringing to work, much like they're bringing a work problem to, to personal. So philosophically, personally, I don't like to separate my personal life from my work life because inevitably at work, I'm thinking of home and vice versa. That's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. In the end, it's, you know, the, I, I always believe that the two most undervalued qualities in, in humanity are kindness and forgiveness. And we just don't do enough of that. And how can you bring that in to, to, your, to your business? So you get involved in organizations that you believe in, whether they are for-profit or not for-profit. And mistakes will be made. They can be made by your, your staff. They can be made by you. They can be made by some, some friend. You, you accept it, you forgive, and you move on. And sometimes you make a mistake and you hope that you're forgiven. So, yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> life, uh, to sum it up, life is a mess. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I mean, if you, if you learn the acceptance, then it's, it is what it is, right? It's... I mean, I go to my therapist once every couple of months, and this is what I've learned from her. Acceptance. It leads to happiness. Yeah, I, definitely. I have, my therapist tells me the same thing, so <laughs> it must be true, right? So uh, that was going to be my next question is, Christy, what advice or tools do you use to keep this balance? I'm always curious from fellow um, business owners, um, leaders, and mothers, like how do you not just curl up in a ball and cry under your desk every day? And maybe I do sometimes. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, no, I usually save that when I get home. <laughs> no, I, I, um, funny enough, I also have a therapist that I, I meet with, um, one, probably once or twice a month, depending, but, um, I've been meeting with her for over 10 years, uh, started meeting with her for a relationship situation. And then it really evolved into, um, how much that she kind of helped just have perspective, mm -hmm. which I think is super helpful to have an outside individual outside of the immediacy of your life. 
mm-hmm. to have someone provide that to you. Um, and then most recently, I've actually, especially when we brought on our my other partner, um, since it's an interesting trio that we have my brother and I, you know, with the family relationship, and then our partner. So we, we have a business coach that comes in and we have him sit in with us on our monthly managers meetings. And then he also meets with us one-on-one individually and kind of helps us learn how to communicate better with one another, as well as deal with different situations within our organization. And he's been very, very helpful in having us try to stay focused as a management team and also helping to navigate and again, provide that outside perspective of someone else looking in on your life, whether again, personally or professionally to say, Hey, have you thought about it this way? And I think that has been really critical having those individuals and and they serve and it serves as friends too. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, having a friend is when you talk about something, um, sometimes they're like, well, did you think about it this way? And I think that's, that's such an amazing thing to be able to have individuals that you can share the challenges and frustrations of your life and then have them provide you. And, and, you know, it's interesting. I read this um, meme somewhere on a, uh, some kind of an Instagram thing, and I'm going to butcher this. So bear with me. I should have been prepared to have it up, but it, it said uh, it was like speaking from a a husband and he said, you know, my wife and I have resolved 90% of our fights because before we get into a conversation, I, we ask or we ask one another and say, are you looking for comfort or are you looking for a solution? And by identifying what direction you want to go in from that, it makes it a lot easier because sometimes you just want to find someone to vent to. You're not looking for them to solve your problem. You just want to get it off your chest mm-hmm. and to talk about it. I don't need the feedback. I just want to, I just want to say it out loud. And then sometimes you actually are searching for someone to give you that, that (laughs) feedback and be be responsive to you and maybe give you a different perspective. But I thought that was really interesting. And like I said, it was kind of more of a funny social media post, but I've used that in a number of my administrative meetings with my team, as well as one-on-one employee situations that have come up. I'll say, coming to me before we get started and and kind of go on this dialogue, what do you want from it? Let's get the expectations set clearly from the beginning. So funny enough, social media has even provided comedic as well as other relief for me um, as a community perspective. So I think that having professionals who are willing, who I I pay for their services Mm -hmm. um, as well as friends. I like to think that hopefully I buy you guys coffee or lunch every now and again to try to, you know, keep you in the fold and and then finding different resources for community online. As he mentioned, technology has changed dramatically over the last decade. So now, you know, I have various random people that I follow on social media, but that quite frankly, I talk to others in my life as though they're my friends. (laughs) Well, did you know that this person did this? And like, you know, I kind of go on. So, I mean, I I would say that those are my kind of resources professionally and personally that I've, uh, I've leaned on, especially as of late to, to help me from keeping me under the desk in a curled ball, um, on those days. And I also recognize that if there are those days that I just need comfort and I don't need a solution that, um, I might have a glass of wine at two o'clock in the afternoon and just, you know, try to work myself through it, whatever, whatever it takes or go for a run 
or a hike and whatever is needed to kind of work through that situation. That's all such such relatable and great advice. Uh, funny, random story. I was having a really bad day. I think it was yesterday. And uh, my, I was texting my friend and she was like, oh, well, I'm going to go to bar class if you want to join me. I was like, oh, no, my husband ordered Mexican and margaritas. I'm taking that route tonight. And she was like, all right, cool. Just let me know. I'm like, oh, probably healthier ways to deal with it. But but that balance <laughs> of both of both things. And I, I really think that having those sources of feedback that aren't in your day-to-day life or don't have a vested interest in the outcomes of like therapists, coaches, those things, those are, those people are invaluable um, to the success and growth of, of humans. And so I always, I too, I'm always seeking that type of support because I'm, I'm just a better person when I have those people in my life who are able to give me that perspective. Cause you know, my best friend, business partner, employee, husband might not be able to say the things that my therapist or business coach says to me, right? all wonderful tools. At least not, not tell you and then still maintain the same relationship <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's a, there's a pun on bar class. I, there's a cocktail involved with the bar. Uh, that's true. I know it's just a different kind of but bar. A, a, um. <laughs> oh, so that's where my, my mind goes. So yeah. So you said we were in the same vein. All right. So gee, what tools, resources do you use? We all have therapists, which is great. What else? <laughs> well, that's, Number one, I have a, an amazing business partner. He and I, he's like my younger brother. We connect. First of all, we agree on nothing professionally, which is great because if you have two people who are business partners who agree on everything, then one is redundant. So it's great that, you know, yeah, we use each other as a sounding board, but we also are each other's strongest critiques. And we don't get into this groupthink mentality where, and, and yet there is complete trust. So we both have veto power over each other saying, no, I'm going to do it in spite of what you're saying. And we may make a mistake and we may say, I told you so, <laughs> but it's okay, right? Because sometimes you have to try, like Christy said, it's okay to make a mistake, learn from it and move on. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's it's part of the essence of life. I mean, in in fact, failure is a set, stepping to, stone to success. Right. So depending on what your what your definition of success is. But so I, I use my business partner a lot, friends a lot, my wife a lot, my therapist a lot. But the advice I would have to the younger generation and I tell them this is, you know, when 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 most people give you advice or when you're looking for a career path, you look at the prospects of the future as to how hot this field is going to be. More, more paramount than that, in my opinion, is are you going to love it? Mm-hmm. Right? Is it going to bring you happiness? And if you're going to love it, you're probably going to be good at it. And if you're going to be good at it, then you're going to economically benefit from it. Now, there are certain fields, unfortunately, in U.S. society that are not quite as well rewarding as, as others are. And we all know who, what they are, and they are the, the, like the building foundation of American society, like teachers, mm-hmm. right? And, and teachers for young kids. I mean, their definition of success is something like, have I made the kids that I teach, have I taught them generosity and ethics and acceptance? And you know, the same 
qualities of life that we all strive for our kids to have or us to have. Mm-hmm. So I think more important is, is it going to bring you happiness should be the first question. And then is it going to have a good scope in the future, which of course technology is one that is constant and a lot of people go into it because it's got money in it. Mm-hmm. Bio, biomedical is the same way, you know, the medical field is the same way and uh, legal legal profession is the same way. So, but are you going to love it? That's more important. And then, like Christy said, sometimes you self-medicate, quote-unquote, by going for a run or going mm-hmm. for a bike ride or mm-hmm. setting a goal for yourself six months from now to do a crazy Christy. You know, for her, it would be like a half Ironman or an Ironman or something mm-hmm. like that. And you try and achieve it. And sometimes you make a few other sacrifices by not going to a few bars with friends because you have to go to bed at 5 p.m. Because you have to get up at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. So, you you know, that's the self-therapy that you do also. Yeah. There's balance in all things, right? Correct. But I think it's just making sure that you're not too far on one side or the other. As you were talking about the advice that you'd give younger people, I, I think about my children naturally um, and just their generation and, and what they're learning in school and what their interests are. So my oldest is seven and then I have a daughter who will be three tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday. Thank you. And a five-year-old. And my seven and five-year-old are on the autism spectrum and ADHD and all the things. And learning doesn't come natural to them in any, like in the conventional sense. And so my husband and I have been on an exploration to figure out how to, my whole goal is to not lose the light in their eyes. And I did not want our educational system to dim that, dim that light. So as we've gotten really creative on how to um, find ways to engage them, but they are super, super smart. And my, my oldest which I think this is a theme with just like every seven to 12 year old. I don't know what the age is, but he wants to be a YouTube star, of course, because that's what everybody in the world wants to be when you're that age. Um, it's just, it's just, it's so like, like, I don't know what the word is, but um, it's like startling to me that he's like so obsessed with being on YouTube. And then I was uploading videos that I have for my YouTube channel that's private. That's just to store videos. And he was like, why do I not have a YouTube channel? <laughs> Anyways, my point of all of that is I can see the passion when he's talking about building video games and he's he's taught himself how to do some coding and those sorts of things. Like it, that's when he comes alive. And so for me... I'm just thinking about how do I keep that passion and spark when I know that like there's going to be some hurdles ahead of him and it's not to like move the hurdles so that he has this clear, easy path, but just how do we figure out how to speak his language so that he can become those things where he's super passionate about. So that's the advice that I always give him because he's even at seven, like School is so hard for him that, like, when he talks things about college, he doesn't even know what college is really. It's like, anyways, this is this could be a whole long another story. But um, thank you for for that advice, G. That could be episode two. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so, Christy, do you have any other advice that you would give to a fellow leader who's running an organization, a family owned? organization, which I have so many questions about the dynamic between you and your brother and this other <laughs> partner. Like that sounds like a big role. That, like I said, that would episode three, four, and five <laughs> would probably be filled with that. But, yeah. but what, what advice would you give to a fellow working mom, leader, business owner who's maybe new in their motherhood journey or their leadership journey? You know, I think that um, give yourself um, some grace and some leeway. 
in, again, knowing that, you know, you're trying to do a lot and that it's okay to, you know, ask others for help. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, by having that humanity, by sharing and asking people for help or telling them that you don't know the answer and being honest is actually, I, I've found for me, has been extremely rewarding. And people tend to gravitate towards wanting to help you more in those situations. Mm-hmm. And that that goes you know, mostly within my organization as a leader to talk to my employees and our team about, hey, I need some help on this and I need some, some feedback from you. They see me getting in the trenches with them, but they also see me asking for their opinion that I value so much um, on anything from, hey, I, 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 you know, I'm a mom trying to figure out a 30 minute meal for dinner tonight. <laughs> Does anybody have any suggestions? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and having them share those types of things. I think having openness and honesty has been really helpful for me as far as from like a in, in a family business, you know, really trying to also understand that business is business and you have to make decisions from that perspective, but, you know, you have to be careful as to how those decisions impact your family life. And you have to ultimately decide that one is going to be utmost more so than anything else. I think looking forward as to options that I have in the next couple of years as to what direction I want to go in Um, And some of the challenges we've faced as business owners and leaders the past few years, I know that um, there are ways that my brother and I work very well together and ways that we don't. And I want to honor that and also know that if I have another opportunity, I probably would, you know, successfully look into a different direction so that he and I can both be our best selves, but maybe not working together and know that that's okay if that's Mm -hmm. the case. So again, I think just listening to yourself, setting your boundaries, asking for help and being your transparent, honest self is really going to be anybody's best bet because people will value, will value that and will try to hopefully help and support you in your journey as you work through it. That's great advice. Absolutely. So I had the pleasure of kind of being like your third partner for the last eight years at Max Six, which is a family owned business, father and son. And um, goodness, patience for you. (laughs) (laughs) The advice that I always just had stuck with me with that Scott gave Kyle and his sister was in the business at one point as an active member. And he said, you know, we're going to make business decisions. Sometimes they're hard, but we all need to sit down at the Thanksgiving table Um, And so that was like the perspective that they always have. And I just really admired that, you know, that there was, there's been some hard decisions or conversations and family is always, you know, first in there. They, as far as I know, every Thanksgiving they've sat together. (laughs) 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 All right. So I think we are out of time. Thank you both so much for joining me on this first episode. But first I want to tell listeners where they can reach you if they would like to get in contact, follow you. So um, G, let's start with you. How do we reach G? Email is probably the best. Easiest way to do it is just info at parsus, P-A-R-S-U-S dot com. I'm the catch-all account, so it'll come to me. Okay, perfect. And Christy, how can people reach Fantastic. out to you? Similarly, uh, we actually have a pretty simplistic website. It's just consultbell.com. On there, I also am the catch-all for anything info, HR, uh, there is a bio there with a picture, I think, that's clickable to to actually access my personal email as well. But 
anything that comes there. I'm the only, I'm the only one that uh, that's showing up with the trusty steed and an odd bio about family and uh, a black lab. So you'll find me there. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for joining me. And we'll see you next time on The Messy Middle. You have been listening to The Messy Middle Podcast and Radio Show, presented by Mother and Founder Co. We hope you have found a few pieces of wisdom to help you navigate your own messy middle. Be sure to subscribe to The Messy Middle on your favorite podcast platform and follow Jen Burwell and Mother and Founder Co. on Instagram. Remember, Beginnings are usually scary, and endings can sometimes be sad, but it's the middle that counts the most. Until next time, stay curious, kind, and messy.